The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome back to One Royal Way. We are one week from opening day here. we got Royals baseball coming up here very soon. And today we're going to look at uh, making predictions on what the opening day roster is going to lo- look like. Here to help me do that, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see him right there to my right. Uh, Jordan Foote, he is the editor-in-chief over at uh, Inside the Royals. Does some stuff with the Chiefs as well, but hey, man, it's baseball season. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm more than ready to go, man. It uh we talked all throughout the lockout about, man, when is this going to come back? When is it going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, all that stuff. Glad that we're officially rolling and it's actually going to happen. They're going to get 162 in. Um, it's something that I definitely took for granted. I'm happy that just baseball is back in general. And it doesn't hurt that the Royals do have some interesting things to keep an eye on this year for sure. And, I mean, we'll talk about spring training performances, but that also does not hurt. Um, that they're having some really good individual performances and then the team's doing well too. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those guys that are having really good individual performances are young players that are really looking to make the roster. So there, there's a lot of interesting moves that could be made, and especially with the rosters expanding to 28. And that's what we're going to be looking at is the 28-man roster that will take the field on April 7th against Cleveland uh, and how that's going to shake out. It'll be kind of interesting. Before we do that, the show is brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Uh, listen to this and check this out. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. Thank you once again to Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. We can't thank them enough uh, for helping bring baseball content to you guys here on Kansas City Sports Network. Now, Jordan, we did we did some research. We did some actual, you know, you know, crunching here trying to get some some stuff done to uh to try and put together a 28-man roster. Uh this is partially what we would do with 
the roster decisions and what we also think is going to happen. So this isn't a true what the Royals are going to bring out. So there's a little bit of a kind of a thought exercise here for for what we have. So we'll start. Let's start with the pitchers. How many did you did you put in there? Because that was the one thing with the 28 man roster. They there wasn't a set number of pitchers. You could have 17 if you wanted. Um, that was the one roster exception. When it goes down to 26, you it will be 13 and 13 again, like it has been for the last couple of years. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, so I did mine based on what I think they're going to do. Um, so I'm going to be kind of on the fly agreeing or disagreeing with you on what you would do. I think that a lot of our thoughts are going to be the same there. Um, I took, I have a six-man rotation, um, so I yeah, guess I, I kind of, well. yeah, so six-man rotation, then nine relief pitchers. So I have 15 total and then 13 um, position players and DH, all that good stuff. So fi- 13 hitters and then 15 pitchers. That's what I did as well. I had 15 pitchers, 13 position players, six-man rotation, nine relievers. I think once we get into the season, it'll probably more organically turn into a five-man rotation. But I don't Mm -hmm. think this is going to be something that's exclusive to the Royals. The Angels already do a six-man rotation because of their stuff, the way they deploy Otani. But a lot of teams are going to do six-man early to give their guys more rest and help them continue to kind of lengthen out. Uh, as the season goes because of the condensed spring, not everybody's been getting five, six innings able to get into the bullpen. Like Chris Bubich today through and he got into the fourth and then they brought in uh, Barlow to finish out the fourth and Bubich immediately went to the bullpen uh, to keep throwing. So that's been the story of the spring. There's only so many innings. There's only so many games. So it's going to be interesting early on. What does your six man rotation look like? Yeah, so just quickly with the the concept of it, I think it just makes sense, especially for the Royals. I mean, not only everyone likes Zach Greinke and everyone thinks he's going to be possibly their best pitcher, 38 years old. Like, it wouldn't hurt to take a little bit of a load off of him. The right. Royals have a surplus of arms. Um, get more exposure for that sixth guy um, or filter in throughout the year. And also, Carlos Hernandez wore down at the end of last year. Um, Daniel Lynch looked like he wore down at the end of last year. Like it isn't going to hurt to ease these guys back in, get them that six man spot. Um, they have enough, they have more than enough people. They could do a, an eight to 10 man rotation if they really wanted to. Right. Um, but obviously at the top, Zach Greinke, the, the Royals have him at the top. I think everyone would have him at the top. Um, followed by Brad Keller, Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer, Carlos Hernandez. And then I don't exactly know what, I think Bubich has probably earned a spot, but A, it's a numbers game, and B, he's going to do well no matter where he pitches, I think. Um, But I do have him as that sixth guy. Okay, so I have this was kind of half and half, like I said, of what I would do versus what I think is actually going to happen. And I think there's a little bit of validity to to both here. So obviously, Granke's at the top. He's the opening day starter. Uh, Then Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, Jackson Coar. And then I'm throwing Angel Zerpa in there in that sixth spot. Oh, wow. I think he has proven himself to be one of the best young pitchers in this organization, kind of out of nowhere. We we talked about it on Rolls Farm Report that when he got put on the 40-man before 2021, we were like, who the heck is this guy? Why he, He's an A-ball. Why are they throwing him on the on the 40 now? Is He's 21. I, like, I understand he's Rule 5 eligible, but would anyone take him? And then he goes across high A, double A, triple A, and then makes his big league debut and looked really good doing it. And then I've looked at him in the spring, and there's a great field to pitch from the left side. Nothing's overpowering, but he just has this great 
the great deception in his delivery. The fastball pops out. Uh, even if it's 94-95, you can tell it gets it, it catches up on guys pretty quick. Great slider. And the field of pitch is just better than, I think, Daniel Lynch. I think even Brady Singer at this point. Uh, but I think Singer has proven himself enough that he can he can have that spot. I really had it as a coin flip between Zerpa and Lynch. But I think Lynch, despite his stuff maybe being better, has more to work out in AAA than Angel Zerpa does at this point. No, I respect that. And Zerpa, he's a cool customer, man. He, he's a guy that he's not going to get rattled. He is very even keeled. I have him in my bullpen. Um, I'm already partially rethinking some decisions now with my 28 man, but um, I, I do think Lynch, his stuff is filthy. Everyone knows that. Also, he's a very like volatile prospect and player in that you're going to get good stretches from him. Last season, I mean, it was a perfect example. He had some really yeah. good stretches where he looked like a future possible ace or number two guy. Then he also had somewhere like, man, I don't know if he stays in the rotation long term. And I mean, you talk Brady Singer with him adding another pitch. You have Chris Bubich adding the slider. Um, it's going to be interesting. I notice thoughts, Carlos Hernandez, he's just a bullpen piece, or do you think he'll filter in and out? What are your thoughts on that? I think he'll filter in and out. I have him in my bullpen, okay. but for me, the, the biggest thing with Carlos Hernandez for me is for a dude that throws 98 with his, with a plus breaking ball, a really good changeup, like the stuff is all there. He just doesn't strike anybody out. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a like a deception, like a lack of deception in his delivery or just something he tips. I, I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't scream rotation, long-term rotation guy for me. I think he can be a great reliever and great short burst guy. Uh, I, and I think he'll still earn some starts here and there, spot starts, or you know somebody gets hurt, then he can go to the rotation just like he did last year. And I think he proved himself to be a, a viable pitcher at the big league level. But what I saw this spring, he got roughed up in multiple mm. outings. I just don't think, frankly, it's just one of those, I don't think he earned that spot. I think Zerpa did. I think Bubich did for sure. Kowar did for the most part. I thought in spurts, he looked really nice. And the main reason I have him in my rotation still, he straight up bullied AAA last year. Yeah. It was not fair what he was doing to those guys. And now the gap was significant when he got to the majors and he struggled really, really mightily. But at this point, he's too good for AAA. Like it, it wouldn't help his development at all. There, it's not like he needs seasoning. Like I think Daniel Lynch did. Daniel Lynch yeah. went down to AAA and he still got roughed up in spots. So, I think at this point, Jackson Kowar has nothing else to prove in the minors. It's sink or swim time, dude. That, that's that's really what it is. That, that's kind of the theme with a lot of these guys. And I mean, you look at uh, Singer and Keller. I think it's sink or swim time with them in the rotation. Absolutely. I mean, by the end of the year, one or both of them could be pitching out of the bullpen. I think Brady Singer. He has the goods to do that and do it at a high level. If it doesn't work out, he's not one of those where he quote unquote fails as a starter. Then you throw him in the pen. You can argue about, you know, is there value in him being an okay fit starter, even if he struggles versus a bullpen guy, more frequency, blah, blah, blah. Brad Keller, it's been the talk about him for years, even when he was balling in the starting rotation. It's like yeah. this guy's peripherals aren't good. He pitches to contact a lot. He's a guy that's going to eventually have it catch up to him. I think he's better than he was last season. I um, mean, he had some spurts, and then he obviously wasn't all the way healthy. I worry about Brad Keller um, having Zach Greinke at the top. People, some people are taking Greinke for granted too, man. Like he's oh, yeah. going to benefit from a good defense behind him and a spacious ballpark and pitching to contact that way. But 
he's not going to have like a, a three ERA or anything. It could dip below four, possibly with a little bit of a better ballpark and situation. Sure. Whatever. But he's not going to throw, you know, he's not going to be a 200 inning guy. I don't think he's not going to be no. that prototypical ace that that says a lot about the Royals rotation. Um, it's good to have him still, but there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. Um, that can be a good thing because guys are getting experience and, and opportunity. Um, it can also be a bad thing because that means some guys may not be, you know, up to snuff or they get hurt. Um, it's going to be interesting in that starting rotation. My biggest thing is I wonder how long the leash is on Brady Singer. Yeah. That's my too. biggest thing is I think he has the goods to be a kind of a mid rotation starter where I have him penciled in here. I think he'd be great. He's a great three or four. I think yeah. that that's where he can be. Will he throw his changeup though? And he talks, they talk about it a lot and they talked about wanting him to throw more. I haven't seen it. I watched him pitch today. I didn't see him throw it a lot. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those, like it sounds great in theory. And then when the going gets tough, he just goes back to the sinker slider. There has to be a commitment to that third pitch. And if there's not, then you have to go to the bullpen. I, and that's the thing with Bubich. Like I, I don't, I haven't talked to Chris Bubich personally. He seems like a guy. He mentioned the end of last season. I want to add something to my arsenal. And now he's not throwing a ton of his sliders, but he's actively trying it out. And like saying, I really want this to work. I'm not saying Brady Singer is not that guy. Maybe he's just quiet about it and is going to try it out in game. A, I haven't seen a ton of it. Um, B, I think they're Bubich is a guy that's going to keep trying and keep working yeah. and keep working until stuff. He's not afraid to fail. And I don't think Singer is necessarily, but I also think Singer is more confident in the rest of his arsenal to where he's like, yeah, I can get by on this. And you just can't, you can't long-term as a starter. It's not going to work. Um, you can get by when you're, you know, the guy that they don't have the report on yet or whatever, but eventually that's going to come back to get you. Um, I like Brady Singer. I think he has the mentality to be a really good player for a long time. Um, and maybe that is out of the bullpen, but either way, this is sink or swim time. And that's, we're probably going to use that phrase like 50 times. The over under set oh, yeah. at 49 and a half, the rest of the podcast. Probably over, probably over. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go to the bullpen. What do you got? <sighs> this, this really, really, obviously Scott Barlow, um, Josh Stalmont, Jake Brent, Dylan Coleman, Amir Garrett. Um, I have Jackson Coar in my bullpen. I have Zerpa in the bullpen. <sighs> Taylor Clark, I think he he's yeah. had some good innings this spring. Um, I think that there's something there for the Royals possibly. Um, then you have like a bunch of possibilities. Even uh, Vizcano, who has been absolutely not good. I could see the Royals eventually giving him a shot. Brad Peacock, um, Gabe Spire, Domingo Tapia, Ronald Bolaños, who got optioned. I went with Joel Piops for my last spot, I think. Um, I don't know, man. That's a yeah. tough one. It's really tough. So I, I have them carrying three lefties. I have them going Brent, Samir Garrett, and Gabe Spire. Okay. Uh, I think Spire has shown a lot of progress. I looked at him as like a, a good quad A guy. For like mm-hmm. a, a guy that go like you can, he's gonna be good in AAA and be viable. And then when you need to come up to the big leagues in a pinch, he can be serviceable and, and like good. I'm cool with that. His fastball looked like he was popping a little more. I think he was around 96, 97 uh, the other day, which I haven't, I've never seen him at. Mm-hmm. So that's encouraging that he can be a guy in a pinch that you need, you can throw in and go. Uh, I have Taylor Clark, Josh Stalmont, Carlos Hernandez. I have Domingo Tapia, Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman. Okay. 
uh it's tough i mean you're kind of splitting hairs i think like even colin snyder he's a guy that yeah jonathan Beasley could factor into some picture at some point i mean it's a tough tough one colin snyder like he's a guy that's super intriguing because he was like the slider is ridiculous that he throws Mm -hmm. um into the upper 90s he was really good in double A and he was awful in triple A when he got up there last year. So I think he's still yeah. got some stuff to prove there. I think he's I feel like they still want to have him start. Yeah. I think the stuff is there for him to start. I don't think it's there long-term and I love Heasley. He's my guy. I'm friends with him. I like, I, I wish the world of him and I think the world of him, but I think he's a reliever. And so maybe they want to see kind of what he can do back kind of going back and forth. And I think there's still some, some stuff to work out there for him uh, in Omaha. I gave Domingo Tapia the nod over Vizcaino purely. Be, and my only thing is I didn't want to think too hard about making 40 man roster decisions, yeah. but Tapia is already on the 40. Vizcaino is not, he was just a minor league contract. So, and, and Vizcaino also is coming off of TJ and I think a shoulder injury back to back pitched in triple a with the Mets last year. So I think there's still some of the working back from injury that he has to go through when he's on it's electric and it's really good yeah. and can very it can very easily help this bullpen come maybe May or June, whenever he really gets his feet underneath him. Is Pyops out of options? I think that when I put it together, that must've been the reason why I left him in there. I think. Yeah. I I didn't realize that until I looked at roster resource right before we got on here and I saw he was out of options. Okay. So that makes it, I feel a little bit better now about keeping him in there. It's tough. So I think, and I think Tapia has two, so he could go down and put Pyops in, and go from there and then make a, a tough decision if Pyomp struggles, which I don't think he's been that great in spring. So, yeah. and I know we haven't seen Dylan Coleman a lot. I think he's only thrown one inning. He's too good. Yeah. He, he's like just simply, he's probably your second or third best reliever right now. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, like behind Barlow and maybe Garrett, I, I think he is that, that special. So I think you need, he's a guy you need to have in your bullpen. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at their pitching stats in the spring. And I think it's so both tough because it's such yeah, a small sample. Exactly. In spring training stats, I mean, they are what they are. Um, Pyomps has an 11 to five ERA. He's given up seven runs, five earned in four innings. Yeah. Um, Taylor Clark scoreless four innings. There's just a lot going on here, man. Even, even Austin Cox has two scoreless innings. Foster Griffin's been getting work. Like I don't put too much stock into that. I mean, even yeah. guys that, Obviously, if we put stock into it, then um, Bobby Witt Jr. would win MVP his rookie year, which I mean, that there's some all-star potential there, possibly. Um, I, I heard someone talking about that earlier today, um, but Edward Olivares would be like prime Mike Trout, and some pitchers <laughs> would be, you know, the best ever. So you can only put so much stock into guys having good or bad springs, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's kind of splitting hairs. I imagine they're probably going to have pyumps in there early, but or they or the, the stuff is just not good. Like the results do kind of speak for themselves at a certain point. And yep. I know it's four and two thirds, but it's a bad four and two thirds. And even in April, like you can't afford to have those types of outings out of the bullpen, especially with how much we know Mike Matheny is going to use the bullpen because bullpen management has always been a knock on him. You know, we'll we'll see. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the position players. Obviously, we have 13 position players uh, in the outfield. I feel like it's pretty cut and dry. Andrew Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor, Whit Merrifield, Kyle Bell, Edward Olivares. Any objections? No, I, I. that's what I have, too. I just do wonder. 
it's a lot of bodies out there and not even really a lot of bodies. The number isn't crazy, but having two guys who are a enjoying good Springs, but also younger and possibly higher upside than some of the guys out there. And if Michael A. Taylor was an average defender, the Royals would just stash him on the bench and he'd probably, it'd be a much easier decision, but he's so yeah. darn good on defense. He's worth putting out there if possible. Absolutely. And Ben Intendi's in a contract year. He's not going to give up innings to anyone. Merrifield, I wasn't initially a huge fan of Whit Merrifield being in right field. I still don't love it, but I get they have to find Mondesi at bats because my ideal infield setup was going to be Whit Jr., um, Lopez, Merrifield, and then whoever at first base at any point throughout the year. Mondesi, utility slash outfield. And then you argue, you fight with Dozier for reps, you fight with Isbell, you fight with Olivares. Um, obviously, Mondesi's going to need time off. He's not going to be that 100 10, 120, 130 game player. Um, I think it'd be a minor miracle if he gets to 100 in general. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of guys that should be playing that probably won't. And by a lot, I mean two. Um, Edward Olivares is interesting. I'm not a huge fan of his potential. He's 26. Like he's starting to run out of time to use that word. Yep. Um, granted, Hunter Dozier is still highly touted at, at age 30 to bounce back or whatever, but he also did have one good year. Um, I think Kyle Isbell's got the goods, dude. Oh, yeah. I really do. I, I think he can be, if they let Ben Attendee walk and this is not an insult to Ben Attendee, I think he's a good player. I think Kyle Isbell could take that spot and there wouldn't be much of a drop off. Is that no, a hot take? No, not at all. I actually mentioned okay. that exact same thing on one Royal way or uh, on a Royal farm report last uh, Monday on Monday where we talked about the Cattell Marte extension and that yeah. correlating with Andrew Benintendi. And so now four for, what was it like four for 78 or something like that? Or five for mm -hmm. 78 for Marte that, you know, I think Benintendi could get a similar deal. And I think that's a complete overpay yep. and you can get Kyle Isbell for four more years in left field at a way cheaper price and get similar production. And I do think a lot of the kind of the log jam in the outfield is going to get cleared up when Montessi inevitably goes on the IL. Mm -hmm. When yeah, that I, is I like 20 games in probably like, I hate that because I think Montessi is a Supreme talent and when yep. he is healthy, he's awesome, but it's going to happen. And it's, at that point you just move wit down to second, you move Nikki over to short and you throw a spell out there in left field and Olivares is your fourth outfielder. Happy days. This isn't an original thought, but I wish I could remember who I, or I first heard it from. Um, those log jams kind of usually have a way of sorting themselves they out do. for the most part. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, guys are going to underperform. Guys are going to get hurt. But at a certain point, Hunter Dozier, the infield log jam and the DH log jam, the first base log jam, kind of has an effect on the outfield too. Cause I mean, even Dozier who is going to spend time at DH, maybe log a couple innings at first base, possibly spend some time in right field, possibly um, he's a, a negative d defender in general. Um, the bat is also suspect, but then he's blocking guys that could be getting reps. I mean, it's, yep. it's a good problem to have, I suppose, but then you get the whole, we're paying this guy this much. If you're the Rose, like, well, we're giving him 6 million bucks or whatever it is. Do we really want to, eat that money and stash them on the bench. He's not going to be off the team. I mean, they're not going to do that yeah. unless someone can find some kindness in their heart to take on the contract. Um, and I do think Hunter Dozier is going to be better 
this season. Is he going to be 20? Was it 19 when his OPS was like 870? Yeah, yeah. He was pretty good. Um, I don't think he's going to be that. I do think that he's going to bounce back at least a little bit and be close and have like a. I don't. Do you want to play the Hunter Dozier OPS game? What do you think it's going to be this season? If he gets the 700, I'll be happy. I was going to say like 740 would be like a a good outcome for him. I'm not his, expecting 800 last, or any of that. What was his OPS last year? Um, not good. I mean, I don't have a, a number in front of me. I can. It was. I clicked on Carlos Santana. That was not very pretty either. Um, <laughs> the Royals yeah. had some some stinker OPSs. Um, spring training, it's it's over one. It's one point zero three seven. But obviously, yeah, that's a twenty. Been, he's been good. In he's had a good spring. I, think, I, I do think some of it is he he did when he had that hand injury. That was a significant problem. Yeah, uh, but I, once, I agree. Like in the back half of the year, he was actually he was pretty good. I think it was, so his OPS was 680 was, last year. Oof. Yeah, and he has a 736 oh, yeah. under his belt in that shortened season, and then 870. That's an outlier season. I, I hate to be that guy, um, yeah. but it's an I mean, outlier if he gets season. To, if, he, if he gets back to 720, 730, it'd be okay. fine. That's fine. Yeah. And for a guy that's going to get 450 plate appearances, 500 maybe, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be an everyday guy, especially by June. Mm-hmm. But early on, if he's, I mean, if he's good, hey, it's a, it's a plus for the lineup. And I also think some of the log jam is probably going to work itself out too when Edward Olivares is inevitably shipped up by 29 for reasons. Yeah. What those reasons are, I don't know, but it, he'll, he'll inevitably get sent back down and, you know, we'll move on. But he's I probably good wonder, with directions at least. Yeah. He knows his way <laughs> on that road. So what is going to be interesting, I don't know how much center field Kyle Isbell is going to play. Mm hmm. But I do wonder if at some point Michael A. Taylor is such a net negative at the plate that Kyle Isbell, they just start playing him in center field just to see what happens. And that could be an interesting storyline to follow. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if Olivares, if it's between him and Olivares, you, you have an easy decision to make. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say Olivares is going to be a train wreck in center field, but he's going to be pretty close. He's like, pretty I just, ru- the- He's already he's bad rough in and the right. corners. He's yeah. already bad in the corners. Kyle Isbell mm-hmm. is probably a gold glove corner outfielder. Yeah. And then I think he's passable in center field. I, I don't have the huge yeah. sample size up there, but I think he would be passable. And I think at the plate, it wouldn't even be close. I mean, between him and Michael A. Taylor, the Royals could get Michael A. Taylor to get lucky for a month. He'd still be a net negative at the plate. I mean, by at least some degree. So that's the thing. You're, now, now the thing is, like, if Michael A. Taylor is at like an eighty weighted runs created plus something like that, like twenty percent below league average, and he's you still live the best center fielder in baseball, you live with it. But if he's like, yeah. it's like sixty, at, at a certain yeah. point, at a certain point, you just need to put Kyle Spell in the lineup and see what happens. I, I and, think it also it, you're supporting. You can only support so many bad bats. Like I, I'm not yes. saying this is going to happen, but what if Nicky Lopez regresses crazily? I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think, think at so. least a little bit. It will. He'll still be more than okay. Um, Dozier, what if he's not playing well? Santana, like there is a easy scenario to see where the Royals have four bats in their lineup that aren't up to snuff. Now, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. I think that number will be lower than four, um, but 
it's possible. And then if Salvador Perez isn't 2021 Salvador Perez and Bobby Witt Jr. is good instead of great and Whit Merrifield continues to decline a little bit, Ben Attendee's not up to snuff. I mean, it, it's a very, very iffy. The only player in the lineup that I am 100% certain is going to have a good year at the plate probably Perez. I don't know. I'm mostly certain about Benintendi. I think Merrifield can be average at the plate without considering base running all that good stuff. I think Lopez can be average. Um, Now, do I think, I think Perez will be very good. I think Lopez will be good. I think Benintendi will be good. I think Merrifield will be decent. So, I mean, there's, there's avenues to it, but there's, it, it can go either way really quick. Yeah, it, there, there's a lot of scenarios where that could happen. I think Nicky's going to be fine. He's always going to be a dude that's going to outplay his projections yep. just because for the field to hit, the field to just, you know, the the barrel control, the, you know, he knows he's, he's he always going to be a light hitting guy. Like, I don't think he'll ever hit five home runs in a season. No. Unless they, <laughs> unless they bring back the super happy fun juice ball, I don't think he's that's ever going to happen. The fact that he hit 300 and he was a four win player almost with two home runs in a arrow baseball where home runs are king. I mean, yeah. it's a, it, I hate the term throwback player, but he is to a certain degree. Yeah. I'm a punch and Judy hitter that he's going to hit his power in doubles and he's going to play a great shortstop. I mean, it, it works. It's so a really team, valuable player. He is. He's turned himself into a really nice player. Cause I was out on him after 2020. I, and cause I don't think he was that great in 19. I was, yep. I was like, no, they don't need to be playing this dude. And then about June of last year, I came around like, okay, this dude's a really good player and he makes it work. Dude, I I looked like a complete and utter fool Mm -hmm. until June of last year because I I was all in. I was like, this Nicky Lopez dude's going to turn it around. And then after 20, I was like, oof. Then the first couple months of of 21, I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm probably wrong. I'm going to give him like a few more weeks. And then he started to pick up and I was like, dude, he's going to bottom out. He's going to bottom out. Um, Kept getting better from there. So like I'm naturally protecting my my Nicky Lopez optimism by thinking he'll regress to the mean a little bit, but he's the guy that his play style is conducive to outperforming stuff. Like you said, he knows who he is now. He's not trying to bulk up and hit home runs. He is fully embracing the I'm, I don't want to use the term slappy because that has a negative connotation, Um, but he's just a, he's a contact hitter and a pure just baseball mind at the plate. And he's going to do what's best for him and not anyone else. Um, and, and that's a good thing because if he's trying to be Salvador Perez or he's trying to be Mondesi or he's trying to be someone else, it's not going to work. So yeah. he, if he's Nicky Lopez, he's going to be fine. Yeah. So speaking of the infield, we were kind of hitting on it a little bit, but Carl Santana, Nicky Lopez, Alberto Mondesi, Bobby Witt Jr. Yes, Bobby Witt Jr. will be on the field next week in Kansas City. If they if they decide to send him down for some reason, I will lose my mind uh, because there's <laughs> no reason to at this point. And then Ryan O'Hearn and Hunter Dozier. Dozier's your DH. Um, I do at some point, and this is me just somewhat somewhat being greedy, but I do want to see Witt and Mondi flip-flop. I yeah. do. I think I think Mondesi playing third takes some of the pressure off him, and he we know his bones are made of glass, basically, so I, I don't need him diving in, set in shortstop and tearing something or whatever, or I, I don't know what he does, but I... I think, and I also Witt's a really, really good defender, a like gold glove defender at shortstop, and I don't want to see that wasted at third. I think he's still a plus-plus defender at third. 
but I would much rather see that be used to shortstop. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When when Maryfield was originally going to be at second base, I was thinking... I am all in on Bobby Witt Jr. at third because that would mean Lopez at short, Merrifield at second. That is just GOAT-level defensive. Really, really good. Now that Merrifield's in the outfield most of the time or, or over half the time, whatever it's going to be, I'm more on board with him back at shortstop, me, him yeah. being Bobby Witt Jr. I The common denominator here, and I'm not trying to dump on Mondesi. I, I'm with you. He's extremely talented. He's not reliable. And why would you put him at a position where he has to dive and has to make crazy plays? Third base, he's going to be doing some of that, but I think it's less Not taxing on him. Yeah. I think it's going to be an easier position to play. And I also wanted to see what he'd look like in the outfield. But at this point, That's they're committing to it. And Witt Jr. is going to be phenomenal at third base. He's just going to make it work. It's not going to be a huge transition for him. He's already handling it well. Um, but I'm with you. I, I'd like to see him eventually if Merrifield's going to be in the outfield and Lopez is going to be at second base, Witt Jr. should be at shortstop at some point. Yeah, absolutely. So how long do you think Ryan O'Hearn sticks on this team? Realistically. On the team as in getting at bats or just on the team in general as in like on legally on the team? On the team in general. And he still has an option. Uh, I don't want to say the entire season. Um, but this is a classic, what would I do versus what would the Royals do scenario? Cause if what I would do, he wouldn't be on the team right now. Um, yeah, just the sample size says he's not the 2018 burst onto the scene in 44 games, hit 12 home runs or whatever the crazy thing was. He's not that guy. Um, he, he walked quite a bit earlier on compared to what he is now his walk rate last year was like 5%. Like he wasn't that guy whatsoever. Um, if you're a neutral at best defender, and I think he's a negative defender personally, um, I haven't looked up his defensive run saved or anything. 
It's um, if meh. Okay, yeah. If you're a meh defender at a couple positions and some better than others or worse than others, I should say, and you're not getting on base or you're a DH that can't get on base or hit and you have the occasional hot streak, what value are you bringing? Like at least Carlos Santana, he started off the season very well before he got hurt. I still think that the age cliff is something he fell off of and maybe was able to like catch himself halfway down perhaps and not totally fall flat, but I think it's not going to be pretty for him this season. I don't think Carlos Santana finishes the season with the Royals. Um, I think he does get traded at some point. If not, I don't want to say soon. I don't want to say like next week they're going to get rid of him or whatever. Um, that'd be a really odd timing thing to do. Um, but he gets hot for you know a month and a half. Nick Prado for the only conceivable reason to keep him down there, A, is the logjam, but B, to cut down on his strikeout rate. I get it. I mean, I, I'd probably just send him up to begin the year and embrace the youth. Um, if he's doing that, you don't have much of a reason to to keep Carlos Santana unless he's absolutely raking and you really think he's going to be the guy for the whole season. Um, what what was our initial subject that got us here? Oh, it was Ryan O'Hearn. Yeah. <laughs> I think he is on the Royals for a great deal of time I think so, this too. season. I, I don't know how long exactly. I just hope it's not an everyday role. Like there is no reason to play a dude that is thirty percent below. That is a bat first, supposed to be power hitter guy that is thirty percent below league average as a hitter, mm-hmm. and he has been that for three seasons. Two, well, two plus, I guess if you want to count twenty twenty in that way. I don't look at that as a full season. So two plus, he is thirty yeah. percent below league average as a hitter. He's an average to negative defender. He strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk. He walked 5% of the time last year and struck out almost 30%. Like, what does that do? What does that provide? What does that provide? So at a certain point, like, what are we doing here? And And, what's 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 the upside? Yeah, what's the upside? That's the biggest thing. On an awful Royals team that was losing 100 games, okay, sure. Put Ryan O'Hearn out there and let's see what he's got and see if he can, see if he can, you know, figure it out. At, At this point, you can't have, you cannot afford to have guys like that on your team. It's it's a path thing. And yeah. Michael A. Taylor is getting to this point, but he has the path of be just bad at the plate and be absolutely elite on defense. He can outweigh that a little bit. Carlos Santana has the path to having last season be more of what he was in the first half than the second half. Um, Hunter Dozier has the path, even though it's a very slim one, of I was hurt and I'm more like I was in 2019. Yeah. Um, there's no path for Ryan O'Hearn. He he doesn't have the, I did this this year, I did this that year. Really small sample size, caught lightning in a bottle, your power showed up for a month or two. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, but he hasn't had the prolonged impact or the pedigree or the track record or the prospect, you know, scouting report of this guy has like tools that are going to be great. Um, and I hate to say it, but you if you're trying to win, if the Royals claim that they're trying to win this season and they have guys out there that aren't playing well and they have guys who are ready to take those spots, you can't claim you're trying to win. I mean, I know yeah. it's a loyalty thing. I know it's an investment thing. They're going to cross that bridge with Hunter Dozer after this year. They're not going to get rid of him if, if they can't because they're paying him money. Um, but at a certain point, you're expected to win baseball games. And if he doesn't help you in 2023, you can't put him out there, at least on a regular basis, if at all. You know what I mean? I mean yeah, I mean, shoot. 
you might come to that bridge with Hunter Dozier in June. Yeah, because it's very think, possible. He think about the dudes that, because think about the dudes that are AAA ready to take those at bats. MJ Melendez, mm-hmm. Nick Prado, Vinny Pasquantino, you Pretty got good. Michael Massey, Nick Lofton. You got dudes in Double A that are probably coming for those at bats here soon too. And here's what's interesting on the your point about Prado, and I don't disagree. I, I think he could be a guy that that can come. I think he comes up this year at some point. I, I do. Yeah. I think yeah. the the at bats for Santana, O'Hearn, Dozier are going to be gone by July. I, I just, I don't see it at this point. I, if Santana completely turns it around because he's been really good this spring then yeah. and becomes what he was in like 18, 19, when he was so older but figured it out and got on base around a 380, 400 clip and not be the guy that he really was, kind of what he was in 2020 and 2021, okay, sure. Then you flip him it in June and you go from there and bring in somebody else. But Prado's already in AAA. Like yeah. they already optioned him. They already optioned Melendez. Mm-hmm. Vinny Pasquantino is still in big league camp. I, I like Vinny and again, like, like he's like, he's my friend and I love that dude. And he is going to be an awesome big leaguer, I think. But I find it interesting that he is still in big league camp and there's been a lot of cuts at this point. We're a week out. He got the start today at first and went two for four and hit an absolute bomb of a homer. I think he's going to be up sooner rather than later. I, it just, I have this weird feeling that, like, we saw this with Kyle Isabel last year, where he was having a really good spring and no one thought he was going to be on the big league. Like, in the, and they rolled in, out with him. And they rolled out with him. I'm not saying that Vinny's going to make the big league roster, but he's playing well enough and having a similar path to what Kyle Isabel did last year, where they just kept producing and kept producing and kept producing. They kept putting him in games, kept starting him in games. And then all of a sudden, he's on the opening day roster. It's just going to be really interesting if in the middle of May, you know, Carl Santana's hitting the buck 50 and <laughs> Ryan O'Hearn is still striking out a ton. And Hunter Dozier is, we don't know what he is. Call him up. Like, and this is the year to figure out what you have in these young dudes. You have to do it. This is the year to do it because you can't do what you're doing right now in 2023. No, no, this is, this is the year where you should honestly last year could have been for at least later in the year, possibly. Um, I, I think they've timed it out relatively well. You could reverse order the Pasquantino Prado. Like once Prado's ready, you know that that's like star potential or close to it. Pasquantino, I think the floor is pretty high with him. Vinny's a really good dude. He's one heck of a player. He's a leader. He's a guy that could step in. And I'm not saying come out of the gates this year and be an average player or whatever, but he can hit like he is a professional baseball hitter. And yes. that's and like that's the, the only way I can explain it. And I think that's why you could bring him up. And if he doesn't sink or swim um, or if he picks one or the other early, that's probably what you're going to get with him. I think you're going to get immediate yeah. results either way. And if he struggles out of the gate, probably going to struggle long-term. If he comes out hot, he's going to be a good player for a long time. I think probably you're going to see a lot of more ups and downs. I think Vinny, you give him two, three months, that's going to be what you end up with long-term. I agree. And I think part of the why you bring up Pasquantino before Prado is because you know what you're probably going to get with him right away. Yes. And you know what you're going to, you know, you're going to get solid at bats, solid contact, you know, enough power to play at first DH and go from, and he's not going to strike out a lot. Yep. You know, with Prado downs, the power potential is a lot higher, but he's also going to strike out a ton. And he already is striking out a lot to begin with. So if he now if he cuts that down in AAA this year, kind of like what Melendez did, 
I mean, not even to Melendez's degree, because what Melendez did is remarkable, cutting a strikeout rate in half from what he did in 19 to 21. But if he can strike out at 21, 22%, cut it by six, cut it by yep. cut it by five, six percent from what he did last year. Sweet. Let's go. Bring him up and let, let's do it. And I mean, if but and again, if Vinny goes down to triple A and he hits the way he did at the end of the year in Northwest Arkansas, and it still keeps that same, he's not gonna walk a lot, but he's not gonna strike out either. Then you have two guys you can bring in and are probably already better right now than what Carl Santana and what Ryan O'Hearn would give you right now at first base. Yep. I, I Just completely agree. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of room for argument there. Like it's just sound logic. Like these guys have the higher ceilings. I think they might even have higher floors at this point, even if Prado came yes. up and did strike out a ton. I mean, Ryan O'Hearn's going to give you that, but Prado's going to get on base more. He's going to hit for more consistent power. He's going to play much, much better defense. And he's young. He he is the future of the team. So, I mean, I'm not saying just get rid of everyone that's old or potentially going to struggle today and then bring all the young guys up and just go young all year. But, I mean, if you're entertaining the thought, why not just rip the Band-Aid off? Accelerate that's... that timeline. And the thing is, with a lot of these positions, if one of these guys isn't it, and they're going to go through that with the starting rotation too, if one guy ends up not being it, it's not the end of the world. You have a deep farm system with exactly. a lot of positions where you have multiple guys. Find out this year what you have in general, not just at one position, not just one player. Get a lot of these guys up. Get them playing. Make business decisions. Um, that's The Royals aren't exactly known for that. They're a, a player's organization, and that's a blessing and a curse. I think that the players love being there, um, but they also love having the players there, and sometimes longer than they should. Um, and this is going to be a really telling year where if they are in the thick of it mid-year and they're not out of the playoff race and they're, you know, hovering about around 500 or even a little bit above, even a little bit below, are they going to make decisions that are best for the team? Are they going to go young? Um, those things may not be mutually exclusive. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do. I would much rather them go young this year and make those business decisions now then try and make those business decisions next year. 100%. Where you haven't given Prado 150 at-bats in the big leagues, and you're trying to yeah. hope that he can be that guy next year. You haven't given Melendez an opportunity. You haven't given, you know, pick just pick a dude. Like The, the, the three main guys are Melendez, Pasquantino, and Prado. They should all come up by July, by the All-Star break. They should all be in the big leagues, getting consistent at-bats. Because you have to know what you have in them, or at least get them ready. Yeah. Because you have to start winning in 2023. You can't go into 2023 with all those dudes with zero at-bats. And you yep. gave Carl, uh, Carl Santana, who was, you know, a 80 weight runs created plus hitter, which isn't good enough at first base. You know, you gave him all that time. And you gave Ryan O'Hearn 500 at-bats for no reason. And you gave a Hunter Dozier, who struggled all year, 500 at-bats. And you won 74 games. Would you rather like, have... if you're if you're going to have the same record you did last year at 74 and 88, but you give Prado, Melendez, Pasquantino, Bobby Justifiable. Jr., all, all of those guys at bats, and they go and they go 74 and 88, but they're at least interesting, and you have a glimpse mm -hmm. of what the future looks like. Cool. If you go out there and you want to give those, those guys at bats, and I'm trying not to hammer those three guys, but they're not probably a part of the next good team in Kansas City, mm -hmm. so. If you go, but if you give those guys at bats and you win 78, 8, 79 games, then okay, your your you know decision was justified. You're in the right, moving in the right direction. But I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think the more likely case is if you give all three of those guys at bats, you win seventy four games or less. And if you go backwards, 
going into a year where you think you can contend, then you've been lying to all of us for a long time. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, we actually texted a little bit about that earlier yeah. in the day. Um, I do have – this is a touchy subject because I think this player is still good. I, this player is not ancient. This player is playing at a position that I think will offer less value. This player is wearing himself down. Um, this player's I'm a little worried about Whit Merrifield, man. He's going to be a clear positive. I don't think he's going to be an average player, even a bad player, anything like that. There are still people out there who think his bat's just as good as it has been. And it's not like I'm, it's not particularly close. He is, unless he just had two off years in a row, the guy's in a decline, man. I, I'm not it's trying 33. to say that he, He's 33. Right. He's in a decline, and you're taking him off of a position where he was gold glove caliber. And I think he's going to be fine in right field. He's not going to yeah. be bad. I'm not, I'm probably sounding like I'm thinking he's going to be an average player in all aspects. I don't think that's true. I think he's going to be slightly above average to good, but you're losing some of that value by moving him to right field. I totally get why they did it because it's a numbers game. Again, you have to fit guys in where you can. Um, but you know, with the contract situation long term, they missed their window to trade him and get a decent haul. He is he part of the next good Royals team? No, like, is not. he going to have he's a not. Ben Zobrist level late career? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's a guy that's going to be around this year, next year. Is that it? I mean, I don't I, know. I mean, to, to be completely fair, they missed their window to trade him like three years ago. It was a while back, man. It, it was, was a while a long back. Time ago. And they, I know there, there were talks about them trading him last year, but I don't think the league looks at him the same way the nope. Royals do. Nope. Because I know the Royals wanted an overpay from Seattle. Mm-hmm. I, I can th- I can probably name the prospects that they wanted in for what Merrifield. And now, did would I have minded if they had traded him last year? Absolutely not. Because not only do I think what Merrifield deserves to play playoff baseball, or at least playoff contending baseball, because he hasn't had the opportunity to do that because he's been on awful teams for his entire career. But at a certain point, like you had to move off him. You didn't. So now you're stuck. And I'm not trying to say it, make that a criticism of wit. It's just, he was an older guy. When he got up, he made his big league debut, at like 26, 27. He's 33 going into his age, 33 season. Now that you're just kind of, you are what you are with him. And I think that I think, isn't he a free agent after this year? Because I, of the team, I looked option. up his con- Yeah, I was gonna say I looked up his contract and I saw red, and I didn't know if red meant team option or not. And I'm pretty sure it does. It's a team. I think he's got two team options, and it's like six point something million. So I mean, it, there there's value in bringing him back, but again, it's a numbers game. Like, what if guys do if you pop, and you're back, like, dude, I don't know. This might be his last season as a full time player. Yeah, I think next year you go into wit. It's his thirty age thirty four season. The, that can be your Ben Zobrist year, where he plays mm-hmm. one hundred and ten games, but he plays right field one day, left field the next. He plays second one day, he plays first, he DHs, and you just move him around. That's and I'm okay it. with that because I still think there. I still think he can be a two win player next year. Yep. And this year, I think he can be a two and a half three win player because of his ability to run. He defends well. He's still going to get. A, he's still going to get a bunch of hits. He's going to steal bags like. There's not a lot of power there, but there never has been. Like yep. I think he's still a perfectly fine player, but they missed their window to, to trade him a long time ago, and now we are where we're at, where there really is that numbers game. If you trade him in 2019, you're not dealing with these same numbers games. No. Right? 
which generally you look at as a good problem to have because you have a lot of guys you want to get in the lineup that are good players, but the Royals aren't at that point yet because they're still giving a lot of at-bats to bad players. Hunter Dozier's 30. He'll be 31 halfway through the year. Um, Mondesi's not exactly young anymore. He, he's still he's young 20, enough. He's like, what, 26? Yeah, so he's still he fits into the long term core if he turns it around. Um, Lopez, he's not exactly extremely young, but he's young. He'll fit into the core. Um, Santana, obviously, no. Perez is going to be around in one capacity or another for yeah. eternity, <laughs> pretty much yeah. as long as he can play. This is um, if I had to guess, this is his last year as the full time catcher. And I, I guess I can't say by full time. What do you mean? Because literally, it's like an everyday guy where he's not right, going to right. be end up splitting. I think that definitely is true. I think next year he can still. Like the, okay. I'll, let me, let me rephrase that as the primary catcher. Okay. That let me, let me put it back that let me put it that way. Okay. Where he, it's more of a 50, 50 split with, uh, with Melendez. I think Melendez is going to end up supplanting Cam Gallagher at some point this year. Oh yeah. Uh, it just, if nothing else, like I talked about with Prado and Vinny, like just getting them at bats and making it work that way. And then next year, you almost have more of a 50-50 split. And then by 24, Salvi's your DH. Melendez is your full-time catcher, your primary catcher. How do you feel about Salvi at first base? Obviously, Prado's going to be there past Quintino. But like in a vacuum, how do you feel about him at first base? No. I, I Okay, good. No. I'm in the same boat. I just, I don't. He has caught he's a good athlete, so sure, many for his games. size, but I don't see it. He has caught so many games. He has, it has been a grind for the first 10, 11 years of his big league career. And I yep. credit him for it because he's done something that not even like Yachty did, where he was mm-hmm. catching 120, 130 games a year. He got like 135 games last year in his age 31 yeah. season. It's that insane. year off is a blessing in disguise for him. That is he needed that. In, yes, it is insane the way that he, his production, not only at the plate, but the fact that he's able to sustain his body for that long as a bigger dude as a catcher. He didn't. But, he didn't have the second half fall off last year. Like no. I was waiting. I was like, this dude's gonna completely hit a cliff. He's he's wearing himself down. Nope. He was great all year, and I think I, I'm gonna come off as a pessimist. He's not gonna be 2021 Salvador Perez this year. I'd be absolutely floored if he was even. I I think in a certain of that. I don't think he hits 48 home runs. So I think he can 35 or 40. Absolutely. I think 35. I think, I think there was a legitimate change in his approach. Yes. And I think it, I think it was, and it's as simple as this. He doesn't walk, mm-hmm. so he said, "You know what? I'm going to swing as hard as I can and hit the ball as far as I can when I do swing and make contact." And I think that's a great approach. If you're not going to walk, hit as hard it. as you effing can. Yeah. <laughs> and What's he did that? that? What's that meme? A uh, baseball bat machine go burr, and it's yeah. just Salvador <laughs> Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Home runs go burr. Yes. Yeah. No, man, that was special. He he was so it good was incredible. last season, man. And I don't think you can replicate that, but it no. If he can still be really start, good. And I think when he moves over to DH by next year, it wouldn't shock me if he goes 35, 40 home runs a year until he's mm-hmm. like 37 because his body will be able to recover more. He just has to worry about getting four at bats and running the bases, not yep. catching the wear and tear on his knees. and not have to worry about that anymore. That's going to be what's best for him when you look at a – I don't even think it's possible still at this point, but a Hall of Fame type path where yeah. the counting stats matter. If he gets to 300 plus home runs with a bunch of silver sluggers, a bunch of gold gloves, a World Series MVP, a World Series ring, yeah, now we're talking. It's interesting. Yeah. And I don't want to knock him Gallagher either. He's the backup and he has done a very great job. Like the fact that he has been able to sustain this type of career 
is remarkable and should be commended because he's been the backup for like five years now. Um, mm-hmm. and does, and does well whenever he's, you know, he's able to come back there. So, uh, you know, a credit to him for, for doing that's It's one of the more uh, thankless jobs in baseball Yeah, and he does it well. Yeah. There's not, it's, you can't really poke holes in Cam Gallagher's game. Like if you look at him as a starting catcher, sure. But he is good at his job and his job is to be a backup catcher to Salvador Perez. And when Salvador Perez leaves the game for a lot of catchers, everyone would sigh and be like, oh, this guy's coming in. They, Cam Gallagher doesn't give that effect. He just yeah. comes in, does his job, and waits for his next time. Um, the thing, I think Melendez does supplant him by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I really want him to get consistent at-bats, and I don't know where it's going to happen. With, it's, it's literally, this numbers game sucks, and there's never going to be, you can't have um, Prado and Melendez every day by the end of the year. That's not going to happen unless like three guys got hurt. Melendez played in right field or something yep. or was DHing Cause Dozier was off the team and uh, Santana was off the team and Pasquantino stayed down. I think there are ways to get him creative at bats, like a decent amount. Um, I think, I don't want to say Melendez spends all year down in AAA. He won't. Um, I don't think he it won't. happens, but I think he like, he tore up AAA. He's good. He's too there. good. You so, can't do it justifiably, even if you don't have a ton of at-bats, you have to find a way to get him in the lineup. I think if Cam wasn't as good as he was as a backup catcher, you yep. probably can get Melendez in there as the backup this year and yep. get his feet wet, get him adjusted, and have games where he's catching and Perez is DHing, or vice mm-hmm. versa, or he's DHing and Salvi's catching or, or whatever. I think that's the way to do it. But I also think they are going to give him some time at third, significant time at third, yep. to – because they did it last year and he was fine. I think he, I think he, the couple of clips I saw, he looked serviceable. And that's another way to get him in the lineup. The, that is the nice thing about what the Royals have is you get the bats in the lineup and you figure it out from there. You just find a spot for him. And Two. that's eventually what they're going to have to do. And so it would not shock me if we see a galaxy brain lineup of Salvi catching, you get Wit or you get a Melendez at third, Wit Jr. at short. Nikki, Vinny's at first, Prado's in right, and Isbell's yep. in like, like Isbell's in center. Like you just make it work that way. I could see something with the Royals doing that and just making it work. That's what I yeah. I, I call the Galaxy Marine, but I also don't think that's a crazy thing that can happen either. Prado played some right field last year. Yep. And he's athletic enough. That was gonna be I was gonna say two things off of that. One, how do you feel about Prado and right field? I completely agree totally. with that. And two totally. This probably wouldn't happen, but just something that occurred to me while we were chatting about finding um, Melendez at bats. Could you do like a, not even an opener, but like attach Perez at the hip to whoever the starter is. And when that starter is done, Perez is done too. I mean, that's a very unorthodox could. concept, but if Zach Grinky in 2023, even or 2022, if he was back with the team, anyone in next year, this year went, six innings that that's a decent amount for Perez give him a few innings off get Melendez out there give him at least one at bat it's a creative way that I just thought of now that I don't think teams have ever thought about experimenting with there's probably a reason for that Um, but that would also be a way to preserve Perez a little bit also get Melendez at bats but I the galaxy brain thing it's not even too crazy I'm with you I think it makes sense almost and Prado he would handle right field very well 
Um, I, I get, it's kind of like the Witt Jr. at shortstop thing. Like, yes, he would be really, really good there, but also he's so good. He's going to be good at a few different spots. And if that's the best place for him, considering the lineup, um, you get those guys at bats. Like, I don't think this year, obviously they aren't going to have a lineup where every guy's at the same spot every day. Next year. I don't even think that's going to be the case. They're going to have versatility and I'm not saying, positionless baseball is going to be like positionless basketball now, but for the Royals, they have athletes, they have bats, they have guys that can defend multiple positions. Hypothetically, um, they have, they have depth. I mean, it's a, it's a great problem to have. Um, but the numbers game is going to be interesting to see how they kind of divvy everything up. Yeah. Well, and think about Prado and right field. I've been talking about this for a while, like, and with, with other guys that play, a really, really good first base. Like he is mm-hmm. like, he could be a gold glove winner at first base. Yeah. He played in the big leagues right now. But what do you think about when you think of a first baseman, they're going to hit and you need them yeah. to hit for power. Mm-hmm. And so that puts a lot of pressure on the bat of a young player. We saw this with, uh, with Evan white of the Seattle Mariners, where yep. he is an 80 grade elite defender. He won a gold glove in 2020, but he couldn't hit and he really struggled to hit for power. So at a certain point, like, would you take that 60 grade or that 80 grade first baseman and put them in a corner outfield spot if they're athletic enough and make that maybe they're a 60 grade defender, which is still good, but now they're in the outfield where they hitting. can play good. You play good defense. It takes some pressure off the bat. They can yes. hit and, but there's not as much pressure on them to hit if they're playing elite defense. And you free up a spot for someone else, potentially exactly. uh, Vinny Pasquantino, like it, those galaxy brain lineups, quote unquote, galaxy brain, um, it's like beer they make softball. a ton of sense. It's yes. like a beer league <laughs> exactly. Line. You just stick someone out there, and as long as they're not awful, you make it work, especially if they're yep. hitting. Exactly I'm, right. I'd be cool with that. Uh, any final thoughts here on what we talk about with the roster construction or anything like that moving forward? I'm just intrigued, man. It's going to be, I think, if we're running a major league franchise, it looks different, and the lineups this year are going to look different. The the bullpen management's going to be different. The amount of players pitching from the rotation would be different. A lot of stuff would be different. Those guys are making the big bucks. Um, they, they're going to have some tough decisions to yeah. make this year. Tough conversations, tough transactions. Um, loyalty is one of the Royals like calling cards and it could come back to bite them in some regards. It could also pay off huge in some regards this year, but um, there's a wide range of outcomes. I think improving upon last year's record makes a ton of sense to predict. Um, Also some stuff bottoms out. You get young guys up there. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Also some things work out. You make a push. Um, I just, I don't know what to expect exactly with this year's team. I think you and I talked earlier on Thursday morning, 77 to 80. That seems kind of like a sweet spot. Like 500 is attainable. I think, 77 is just as attainable. If they went below 77, I'd be kind of shocked. If they went more than a game or two above 500, I'd also be very shocked. Um, I think they're going to be a decently competitive, not great, up and down, old, young team. <laughs> and that's a lot of kind yeah, of, I just want, kind if of juxtaposition. If they can win 77 games and be interesting, cool. That works for yeah. me. And yeah. I think that is perfectly attainable. Starts next Thursday at the K Zach Grinke is making his return to Coffin stadium on opening day. Bobby Wood jr. Makes his big league debut the same day. 
to be a sight to behold. I made the decision. I am going to the K. I will be there for opening day, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. On the next episode, it will come out a little bit earlier. Pro- I'm going to try and shoot for a Wednesday episode next week so with a little bit of a, a series preview, something along those lines. And I'm excited for uh, to actually have real baseball to talk about and not these exhibition spring training games uh, with a lot of what the heck was that, you know, and the minor league rosters and all that. Be sure to check out um, World's Farm Report. That'll come out on Monday. That'll be something kind of similar to this. Uh, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that the – uh, the minor league rosters will be out for the four affiliates. We're going to break those down, go from there. If you're watching on YouTube, slap a like on this. Subscribe to Kansas City Sports Network if you haven't already. Be sure to check out the Ain't No Seats, guys, because, hey, KU's playing in the Final Four on Saturday. Uh, so we got a lot of cool stuff coming up here. More to come uh, here at KCSN. We can't thank you all enough. And be sure to subscribe to KCSN, Kansas City Royals, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure you don't miss an episode of One Royal Way and uh, Royal Farm Report. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next week. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.